Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out, guys and gals, out to the another What Should I Do Wednesday, an opportunity for you guys to ask me any questions that you have. And based upon my experience and my understanding of God's word and just life, I'll be able to assist you. So I'm going to give you guys and gals an opportunity. What's going on, favorite one? Give you guys an opportunity to come on in so we can get right into it. I'm excited about these. I love these. What's up, Define 15? Because uh, it gives me opportunity to help you guys with the specific question that you have. So come on in. And for those who's listening or watching later, whether on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or YouTube, want to thank you all for listening and for being a part. And for those who join me live often, want to say thank you. What's going on, everybody? What's up? What's up? Boss One in the building. Akela, what's Frazier? What's going on? Divine 15, favorite one. What's going on? NSG Jordan, what's going on? Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well. Who's got the first question? And for those, like I always say, um, not always say, but for those, hey, the month of August, and every other Friday from here on out, I have a few slots left for those who want one-on-one coaching. So if I don't get to your questions, or if you're watching this later and you're like, yo, I want to see if I can talk to coach, contact me now or today at imunplugged.com forward slash coaching dash custom dash coaching, imunplugged.com forward slash custom dash coaching. I would love to assist you guys this summer. Let's get right into it. We got the first question. Hope y'all doing exceptionally well. Do you group coaching or I do both? I do group coaching. I do uh, any size group, whether it's a speaking group. I do uh, couples and I do individuals. So I do it all. So if, you, if you're a company, if you're family, if you're a group of friends or whoever it is, your church, young adults need some coaching, I got you. I'll customize it for your group. Just send me your budget, send me what you could do, and I can see what I can do. What's going on, London? What's going on? Is it okay to be your own boss? It is. It is important to be your own boss. Before you can be your external boss, you got to make sure you have the right boss internally. Because the best way to be a boss in society, the best way to be an entrepreneur, uh, to um, embrace ownership, is to make sure uh, you ask ask yourself the question, who owns you? Because I'm my own boss. You know, I do work um, at a school system, but I have a mindset that believes in ownership, that expresses ownership. So basically what I mean to say about that is that... um, Ownership is key. If you have any type of intellectual uh, property, uh, uh, make sure that you understand copyrights, make sure you understand trademarks, make sure you understand what it means to position yourself um, to be partners and not just an employee. I really do believe that I'm a partner at the school that I work with. Yes, I work up under a principal, but we have a partnership that we, and I really enjoy my principal, but there's a partnership there. There's a mindset of partnership. I have more gifts that I bring to the table than just uh um, the job description that's there. Um, but I look at everything as a partnership and I look at everything as an ambassadorship that I work on behalf of God. And if I, if God sees fit for me to work for someone, I have the mindset that, that ensures that I gleam and learn from my experiences wherever I am. So that when I am positioned, um, to be an employee, not an an employee, but an employer at a higher level where there's actually hired employees up under me, I would be able to set a culture of ownership where it's just not, I'm just the king of this palace, but I'm actually a person that lifts up other people to have an ownership mentality. I, I own all the copyrights to my books um, and everything going forward. My goal is to own um, and, and anything beyond it is a partnership base. So I do believe in being your own boss, but make sure that you are up under the boss of all bosses who is Jesus the Lord. No problem. No problem. What do you do if you are called to be an advantage but don't like public speaking? Um, good question. Um, <clears throat> usually God always calls you to the uncomfortable, always calls you to the unfamiliar. Right before I did this video, I do, I, before I do any video, before I even speak, I really am pretty much off the cuff, um, because of my reliance on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean I don't put the work in. It doesn't mean that I don't, uh, equip myself and offer the Holy Spirit great resource and great, uh, uh, treasure in this vessel to use, but I get nervous often. You see what I'm saying? And, and if not all the time, there's some type of nerves there. But I realize that God has called me to this and my confidence is not in my ability, but is in him. But if you don't like public speaking, I don't necessarily like I love speaking to people. But the few moments and minutes before I public speak, I'm nervous. But I know for a fact this is what I was born to do. And when you understand that that's something you was born to do, when your feet steps on that platform, you'll see and feel the Holy Spirit's presence come upon you and you will like a natural. People look at me all the time like, man, I, don't, I, could, I could never imagine that you'll be nervous when I'm in front of a crowd. But, 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 but I know who I am in Christ. And I know who I need in that moment. And I, and I embrace it 
instead of trying not to face it. So to answer your question specifically, <clears throat> if you're called to be an evangelist, <clears throat> I will get into God's word and study uh, 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 and find the roots of evangelism. I will study uh, um, the office, I mean, the, the position of it. And I will really begin to start walking towards that public speaking because that's your calling. I was afraid when God told me to write the book. I was afraid when he told me to do the videos. I was afraid when I was, I was nervous when people was asking me to speak places. But imagine if I didn't face those fears and jump beyond it, I would not have the blessings that I have now. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to sell a lot of books. I wouldn't have the opportunity um, to go and travel places. I wouldn't have the opportunity to be in front of you guys today. Are there nerves there? Yes. Are they the same nerves from the beginning? No. But those nerves subsided based upon my willingness to go after it, do it anyway, and, and watch the Holy Spirit miraculously utilize you as a vessel for him. So I hope that helped. Don't be afraid. Everything worth having is on the other side of fear. Fear is an invisible wall that many of us are behind, keeping us from going forward and being who we need to be. So face your fears. Face them. Because if I would have never wrote those books, if I never done those videos, I would have been on somebody's job doing X, Y, and Z and wouldn't have the opportunity to be before you, ladies and gentlemen, on this evening. So what do you do if you call to be an evangelist? You embrace the answer to call. Holy Spirit, God, you calling me? I'm answering the call. Now help me to fulfill this calling in a level of excellence. And then that's when you begin to start studying to show yourself approved. You start opening yourself, start allowing allow the Holy Spirit to show you evangelists of the past that you can learn from. And then you be your own unique evangelist. What I never do, what you will never hear from me, you will never hear the tone of another preacher. You will never hear the tone of another teacher. You will never hear the passion of another preacher. It's going to be uniquely Coach Josh Slam Rev, Mr. Ezzy. This is who I am. It's going to be uniquely me. You see what I'm saying? So do not get so caught up in studying somebody that you lose yourself. You study, you copy, as I got told the kids this weekend, there's nothing wrong with being a copycat, just copy the right cat. And the copying that I'm talking about is not copying somebody's identity, it's copying somebody's patterns that made them successful. And then from there, you formulate your own patterns that is exclusive to you so that you can dictate your own unique performance when you're under the presence of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Hope to help. <clears throat> Good question. Coach, how do you stay on the word when you have distractions at home? Um, what, what I always do, no matter where I am, where there's distractions, is I keep destiny in mind. I keep the divine in mind. I keep the destiny in mind. I talked talk to the college students on Sunday. I talked about these five do's. These are the five do's you have to have in your life to ensure that you're successful. You have to understand these do's, D-O's, right? Divine observance, uh, desired outcomes, discipline outputs, or and distracting objects, and destiny occupied. Those who have a destiny that pulls them. <clears throat> the, be the beautiful, beautiful thing about life that there's there is a certain pull that's out there for you. Unfortunately, many of us are being pulled by the wrong things and not pulled by destiny, not pulled by the divine. When you have divine observance and you observe the divine and you love the divine and you and you get to know God and you and you really been gripped by his saving work in your life and you begin to understand deeply even more about your adoption into his family then you begin to have the desires of him the bible says they that delight themselves in the lord he'll give you the desires of your heart now your desires become his because you delight in the divine or you observe the divine and as through your observance of the divine your desires become set now you have desired outcomes for your life right now i've got so many desired outcomes for my life i don't have time to be distracted see what i'm saying so the more in your own little ecosystem in your room in your closet wherever you are you create an atmosphere where you and god meet uninterrupted even if there's interruptions in the home there then you go into a place that cannot be interrupted, whether it's your car, whether it's a, a, a coffee shop, or whether it's a path or trail, you find a place where you can meet with God uninterrupted, then you will begin to have the right discipline outputs from that divine observance that developed your desired outcomes. Now you will begin to have the disciplined outputs that goes against the distracting objects in your life. There are going to be distracting objects in your life, distracting, distracting individuals, distracting objects that's going to try to pull you away. But when the divine and is his destiny for you are the strongest pulls in your life, those man, there, there's not a distraction out there really that can even, that can even get me off for days or weeks at a time. <clears throat> Nothing because there's, I have, I have, I have eternity in my heart. 
I have God, God as a as as a friend. You see what I'm saying? I have destiny as a pull. So therefore, it doesn't matter how distracting your home is, make sure your internal home is solid. Now, let's get very practical so I can help you with your unique situation. The way you stay on the word is to understand the value of the word in in contradiction to the distraction, meaning that I always examine the fruit of a thing and I always ask myself, do I want to eat this fruit later? Don't want to eat this fruit out of my life. So if I know that the word of God is true, I got to make sure I invest in it long enough to see the fruit in my life that will make me not even think twice on, on entertaining distractions that's even in close proximity. See what I'm saying? The word is... It, <clears throat> Whatever happens in your home can't get as close to you as the word can. The Bible says the word is a two-edged sword. It pierces even to the deep parts of a man. You see what I'm saying? So the more I allow the word in me, I will now become the thermometer of my home. I will now be able to set the temperature of my home and not and not the environment changing me. I always tell people, do not be the product of your environment. Make your environment a product of you. That's very important. And you do that by the by your mindset. If your mind is still on the word of God and you stay on it long enough to see the fruit of it in your life, you will then become the thermometer that sets the temperature in your home. The devil wants to get you caught up in fear and allow your the destruction in your home to become the dominant forces to determine the temperature in your heart. No, greater is he that's in you. You're the one that has the power. The Bible says if one person can be saved in a home, the whole family can be saved because that's just, that's just how powerful salvation is. And that's how powerful God in a person's working in life. The problem is many of us don't give the word long enough opportunity to bear forth fruit in our lives. Therefore, we quit on it and then we, we succumb to the distractions of our home. So the best way to stay focused is to stay in that word no matter what. Be disciplined with it. Be intentional with it. But also... Keep observing the divine, and then you begin to see your desired outcome set, and then you have the disciplines output it that's contradicting or goes against your distracting objects, and then you will have your destiny occupied. Never succumb to the pressures of a temporary place. Endure the pressure of a temporary place to get to your uh, um, your long lasting one. Hope to help. What is going on when God is taking you higher, but everyone else is falling off? Are you going to gain new people to call family? I'm used to having a lot of people in my life. Good question. Get used to the fall away. Get used to it. God, when he takes you higher, not too many people can can fly in those altitudes. Not too many people's attitudes are able to fly in those altitudes. You see what I'm saying? So, the higher God takes you, some people's makeup, some people's attitude, some people's disposition, some people's faith level, belief level can go there with you. So that's a part of the process. Now, you just have to get very comfortable with you and God. That's what happens. You get drifted from a lot of people to a few people to you and God alone. And then God will then from that place begin to select specific people to assist you. But listen, Right now in my life, I only have about four or five solid brothers in my life, you know, uh, uh, and any person who comes in my life now, th- those individuals have been canonized. You see what I'm saying? Those individuals have been have been established. These people were hand selected by God. You see what I'm saying? Each of them have different levels of connection with me at this point, but there is a unique bond or brotherhood that's there that's going to go beyond the moments that we may not share together, but we know the future will have a divine connection there, you see? So, but God had to still, even in the midst of those brothers, still drift me into, a, into an isolated state so I can discover my Myself. Some of us, our identity is so consumed in the individual that we're surrounded by that we lose ourselves in the process. So God would drift you into an isolated state with him and you, with you and him, so that you can get to know him and get to know yourself so that when you are positioned out in the people or positioned with new friends or old friends, you don't lose yourself. So you have to get very comfortable with being alone with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right now, my, my greatest time <clears throat> is when I'm with God. And, and beyond that, after that's my wife. And, and beyond that, that's it's family. The rest is 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 icing on the cake. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the sprinkles. If it comes, it if it comes, it comes. If it don't, it don't. I'm so content in God that I don't put unnecessary pressure on my wife. That's the importance of being content with God and making sure God is your ultimate love. Because if God's not your ultimate love, you will you will leverage unnecessary pressure 
on the individuals around you. Because I'm content in God and because God is solid in my life throughout that process where I was stripped away from people, isolated and discovered God, discovered myself. And now I'm, 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 I'm pursuing destiny. Now my wife doesn't have to feel the unnecessary pressures of God-like expectations. So that's what God is doing in your life. You're going to gain some new people, but don't focus on gaining new people and calling them family. Be Embrace the family that you have with you and God, the friendship you have with God, because then he will surround you with the right individual that you can call family. And you just got to get used to not being used to what you was used to and embrace who you and God has, because what's better, having company and being complacent or losing people to, to gain a greater level of life? I'll, I'll lose people. I'd rather lose people like that to go higher in God than to go lower away from the things of God and being surrounded by a bunch of people. Hope they help. Oh, okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Good questions, y'all. Good questions. Um, <clears throat> okay. Okay. Here we go. Dana says, how do you get the feeling of hate for someone out of your heart? I've prayed, but it just seems to not work. Um, It depends on how you pray. Um, um, prayer is multifaceted. Prayer is a conversation with God, right? Um, honesty is the best policy. The best way to get hate out of your heart is to be honest about the hate and to be honest about what happened and be honest about the one that hurt you. Those are three H's. You have to be honest about, uh, uh, the hate. You got to be honest about what happened and you got to be honest with the person that hurt you. And you got to be honest with, are you willing to help yourself? Let's start with the first. You got to be honest with what hurts you, or no, honest with what um, the hate. You gotta look at the scriptures and realize that the Bible says, if you don't forgive those under you, God can't forgive you above you. That's just a paraphrase, right? Um, God is very serious about forgiveness. I don't, don't, no, no, don't get me wrong. The process of forgiveness is fruit that you that is fruit that you accepted God's forgiveness. Just because you don't feel like you forgave the person, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell tomorrow if you die. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're talking about a person who, despite the Holy Spirit's uh, throughout his, his, his providential uh, platform that pushes the gospel at multiple different ends, we're talking about a person who continues to push away uh, uh, the obvious divine, uh, the, uh, the divine uh, uh, pursuit of them. <clears throat> Those individuals just ain't, Ain't trying to be saved, right? But we're talking about those who just like Josh, I the what happened to me really hurt me. That's why you have to be honest with the hate. Why do I hate this person? Why do I hate this person? And and what what helped me forgive individuals and helps me forgive will help me forgive in the future is to realize the love that's towards me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Hate, fear is a root of hate, right? Fear is the root of a lot of different issues that we have in our life. So what I understand is that I'm afraid to forgive. I'm afraid to forgive because I I, 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 I don't know what person I will become. I, I, I'm so used to who I am in the hate that, that I've become so familiar with the hating of this individual that I'm afraid to be free. Some people love to be in bondage because that's what they're familiar with. And they're not really honest about why they hate the person. Usually when you get beyond the feelings and get into the logic of a thing, you will begin to see the 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 uh, the uh, frailties of the foundations of why you hated that person in the first place. Because when you begin to logically think about it, you'd be like, why am I wasting my time? Because people who have a hope don't have time to hate. When I have a hope and a future and a destined end, I don't have time to hate. So you have to be honest with the hate. Why do you hate this person? Right? So next one is you got to be honest with what happened. Be honest about what happened. Is it really worth my energy? That happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. That happened last week. What happened should not be a hindrance to what's happening and what could happen. See, many of us, we become so imprisoned on what happened that it's affecting what, what is happening and what could happen. Because I have a hope, I don't have time to worry about what happened. So I have to be honest about what happened. Does what Did what happened to me have any help to me now or a hindrance to me now? If it has a hindrance to me now, you will get over what happened and you will let the hate go. Now you got to be honest with the person that hurt you. Did the per most people who hurted us helped us the most? <clears throat> the people who hurted us the most helps us the most. You see what I'm saying? Because if it wasn't for a lot of people's hurts towards us, we would not be where we at today. 
If it wasn't for a lot of the people that abandoned me, that hurt me or whatever against me, I would not be the man I am today. So you got to allow God to utilize the individual who hurt you, because if it wasn't for Judas, there wouldn't be no crucifixion. And if there was no crucifixion, there wouldn't have been no resurrection. If there was no resurrection, there would be no salvation and no billions of people brought into the kingdom of God throughout the last 2000 years. You see what I'm saying? Hurt has its place. But do not allow it to have its full place in your life. So you have to be honest about the hate. You got to be honest about what happened. You got to be honest with the person that hurt you. And you got to be honest about, am I willing to help my, no, am I willing to allow the help to help me? You got to be honest. Am I willing to let the Holy Spirit help me right now? That's the process you have to go through mentally to get yourself out of a hurt place into a healed place. You are not going to be able to help a husband, help a wife if you hurt, if you still hurt from your ex. You're not going to be able to help a new employee if you still hurt from the last one. You see what I'm saying? So how do you get the feelings of hate from someone out of your heart? <clears throat> Honesty. Be honest about the hate. Be honest about what happened. Be honest about the one hurt you. And be honest about how about are you willing to let the Holy Spirit help you? Honesty is the best policy. Now, when you go to God in prayer, go honest. God, I really hate this person. I need your help. Healing from any emotional wounds. God is the only surgeon that can heal you from emotional wounds. He's the only one. He's the only doctor that can heal you from emotional wounds. So you have to be honest with him every day. And, and, and over time, the fruit of forgiveness will be manifested in your life. But your unforgiveness goes at the pace of your mind being renewed. The quicker your mind renew is renewed on the fact of what of the, of the quicker your mind is renewed on the hate, on the hurt, on what happened, on the hurt person that hurt you, and on who, the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, ability to help you. The quicker the forgiveness goes. But the more you relive the hate, the more you just continue just allow the hate to sit there, and you're not progressive and proactive and getting out of your life. The hurt's going to be there for a long period of time. Next question. How do you know when a guy is approaching you for the right reasons and wrong reasons? Brandon and myself from the Good Guys podcast has, has done a pod. We did a podcast last night and it'll be available on Friday. We talked about what, what, what um, uh, I forgot the title of the podcast. The title of the podcast is um, How a Man Should Date You. The next the next podcast will be How, how a Man Should Date You. And the next podcast, How a Woman uh, Should uh, uh, Date a Man or whatever, or uh, Get to Know a Man. But this week when we talked about, and we talked about a lot of good points. But but you let me answer your question specifically. But make sure you look look out for that podcast on Friday because we got a lot of great solid points for everyone along those lines. But to answer your question now specifically, how do you know when a guy is approaching for the right reasons and and wrong reasons? You got to be right within. And what I mean by right, you have to have solid reasons on who you are. When you have solid reasons on who you are the right reasons for your purpose, the right reasons on why uh, you are who you are and why you're pursuing what you're pursuing, you will begin to even sniff and be able to get a whiff of wrong or right reasons. Many of us are so caught up in the idea of being single, the idea of being alone, that we don't build up the discerning, discerning fortitude to be able to discern at a moment's notice the intents of a person. Jesus was so dope at it, that the Bible talks about that he didn't entrust himself with everyone because he knew the heart of a person and that and, and it goes deeper that he didn't have to go to people to find out about people. And so what many of us forget is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Those who are saved, converted by, by the leading of the Holy Spirit have a discerning mechanism and not even going to call it mechanism that's beneath him, a discerning individual inside of us that's able to discern the hearts and mind of anyone in a moment's notice. The level of your engagement with the Holy Spirit, the level of sensitivity that you build with him will determine the, 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 the length span of, of you recognizing the right or wrong reasons. The, the, a wrong person can still come the right way. But that's why discernment is key, because the wrong, most wrong things always come the right way. Wrong things don't always come the wrong way. They come the right way. That's how they deceive you. So <clears throat> how do you know when a guy's approaching you? Do not do not go in. I don't listen. This is the practical ways to kind of help you until you get to a place of immediate discernment. When a guy's approaching you, do not assist him alone. Do not go along with him alone. Bring a group of people with you that would keep the infatuation at a level down. If that guy does not want to go out with your friends and he doesn't want to go out in groups, then we cut him off immediately. 
Any guy that doesn't respect your boundaries, any guy that don't respect your uh, your pace, that person has wrong motives. So what you do is the best way to see who they really are is to give them time. You don't jump into a relationship. You don't jump into loan, uh, uh, being alone with the individual because that person can then utilize their manipulative techniques or their zealousness or their hype or their idolatry of you to get you into infatuation. So what's the best way to do is have a good solid group of people uh, surround you. If you don't have good solid friends, then make sure um, um, that you just say, hey, um, uh, here you come, you come enjoy me on my turf. Whatever turf that you have, whether it's with family, with, not even with family, don't even bring them that close. But whoever it is, you got to set a platform or a base where you don't, you don't, you don't not, you listen, this is what I'm going to tell you this. If you are unsure about a person, first off, you don't have to go with him. Um, but but the good thing is, is that you allow a man to pursue you on your base, on your base of boundaries, because he's coming into your life. And if he's going to convince you to share bases with you in a marriage, then he has to be able to, to, to enjoy you in your boundary, in your base. But we, but that base has to be established by maturity and God. We're not talking about making man run through loops, hoops, and jumping over walls and doing stupid stuff. We're talking about boundaries that are set by maturity. You see what I'm saying? So um, the best way is to start now. Building your discernment in God, being sensitive to things of God, acknowledging the Holy Spirit in the mornings, allowing the Holy Spirit to operate throughout your day and to give him all the glory and all the accolades for, for helping you. And the more you do that every day, the deeper your sensitivity becomes, the deeper your discernment becomes, and you'll be able to spot the wrong thing, even if it comes the right way. But if that is, if you haven't got to that place yet and guys are pursuing you now, you got to be real with you. Am I ready to be with somebody? Am I am I really ready um, to 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 to? For the first question, you got to be is, what am I content with my singleness? If I'm not content with my singleness, then I may be setting myself up uh, to be infatuated. Never date if you're not content with being single. You got to be so cool with being single. That you don't, that you're not so quick to date, that you're not so quick to get to know somebody. Those who enjoy their singleness, those who love their singleness, those who honor their singleness are the people that's ready for the next level. Whether it's um, whatever next level, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry, whatever. Those who embrace their singleness and appreciate it are the people who will appreciate marriage. If you don't appreciate your singleness, if you don't see the, the reason for your singleness, if you don't honor your singleness, if you don't, if you're not content in your singleness, you're not going to be able to stand or be able to steward marriage. It's that simple. Good questions, though. Distraction like in family. Okay, I think I, I think I got uh, answer those questions. Um, are you able to purify yourself after we are saved and baptized as a Christian? Um, those who have been converted by God <clears throat> and the salvation is evident in your life, at that moment, you are righteous in God. What Jesus sees in your life, he sees Jesus' blood in your life. I don't go to the lengths that most people go into that, 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 that talks about that God forgives your sins <clears throat> in the future. I believe that God implements sanctification in your life so that your practices matches your position. That your practice, your patterns, your perspectives matches your position. When I'm when I, if I go to another country and I adopt a child that does not look like me, that didn't live like me, that doesn't understand my language or whatever, when I sign those papers and those papers are established and that child is now in my life, that child has been adopted, that child is now an Ezzy. Now the, the process of, of sanctification, quote unquote, is making that child's patterns, perspectives uh, match their position to match the family name, to match the, fam match the family culture, to match that. So <clears throat> as you've been saved, because you've been saved by God doesn't mean that the salvation is over. Once you've been converted by God through God's foreknowledge of you accepting him and understanding that uh, and him knowing that you will uh, fulfill to the end, then he goes in the process of making sure that your patterns and your practices matches your position. You're righteous, but are you righteously? Are you living righteous? Living righteous means is the fruit of mind renewed. Mind renewed is the fruit of salvation. Salvation is evident that spawns the mind renewed and the mind, the mental renewed, the, 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 the state of righteousness leads to the mind being renewed and the mind renewed leads to righteous living. That requires the individual to really cooperate. The more you cooperate, and the more you're willing to sacrifice your life, either through you humbling yourself or through God breaking you down, 
will then position you to eventually see a more more pure life coming out of you, a, a pure life birthed out of your perspectives, understanding your position in God. I hope that makes sense. Are you able to purify? Yeah, the Bible says, how should a man cleanse his way? And I forgot the rest of the scripture, um, but th- look up that scripture. Just go to Google and type in, how shall a young man cleanse his way? The Bible talks about pure, uh, cleanse your hands, you double-minded, or purify your hands. Like there is a responsibility on our end. We are not, we are not the, 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 the starters of salvation. We are the recipients of it. But in the recipient, out of receiving it, there are there is some cooperation that will determine the fruit out of our life. God loves us all equally, but he doesn't trust us all equally. That has to be understood. God doesn't love you more than me. He doesn't love me more than you. But he trusts us differently based upon our level of maturity. So the more your mind is aware of your position, your adoption as son or daughter, like I always tell people, your greatest position, your greatest position on the planet is not husband, is not wife, is not um, um, CEO, CFO, is not entrepreneur. The greatest position you hold in your life, the greatest position that could ever be held in this earth realm is son or daughter of God. The more your mind begins to grip and grasp your adoption into the family of God, the more your 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 patterns change and then more of a pure fragrance a pure life is ever in your life so how do you practically purify yourself stay close to the person of god get to know him allow your mind to be vigorously renew your mind renewing your mind is on you it's on you you can you can get as much from god as you want to the spirit of god the bible says search the deep things of god you can you can go as far as you want. Your desired outcomes will determine what kind of destiny you have. I have a desired outcome of greater works. Jesus said greater works than I do. So I position my life, discipline my life so that those type of fruits come out. People believe in this whole fact that that uh, that uh, uh, everything Jesus was, you are right now. No, 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 no. There, there takes some discipline. There's oh, there's a, for greater works. There's greater work ethic. It's that simple for greater works. There's greater work ethic, greater disciplines, greater uh, uh, maturity that determines certain fruit. So it depends on how pure you want to be. <clears throat> In terms of how, uh, uh, this doesn't mean you work for salvation. It means you're working from the work that's already been done and you're fully persuaded. Full persuasion leads to mind renewed. Fully full persuasion on your position leads to your perspectives changing with a term will then change your patterns that will then produce a more pure life from it. Hope they help. <clears throat> Good questions, y'all. Blessings, coach. What's up? So, so savvy. Blessings, coach. How to help extremely toxic parents and maintain a relationship with them while keeping healthy boundaries as single prepping for marriage as best. Good question. <clears throat> this is what I would say to you. Toxic, toxic things outside the body can't affect the body. Toxicity ingested or toxicity not, not purified out is what affects a person. Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> if I got a cup of water that's toxic, it cannot affect me if I don't drink it. But if there's toxic things in the air that gets through, I have detoxifying techniques or patterns in my life to ensure those things are flushed out constantly, right? So I'm in a state of not taking toxins and I'm also in a state of detoxing. You see what I'm saying? But that brings down to the question that you asked that you're aware of the toxicity. You're aware of the toxins. When you are aware of the toxins and you're aware of the toxin people, but you're still in their home, then that's when you will do one of two things. You build a thick skin mentally. You build build thick skin around your mind where you're able to not take in what they're saying. But if it happens to get in you, you allow the word of God to continue to detoxify their effects in your life, that you are not the fruit of their words, that you are not uh, the life that they want to live, etc. So what you do is you begin to find the truth. The truth relieves all toxicity. Truth, the Bible said the truth will set you free. You see what I'm saying? So the more you begin to engage in truth, truth will let you know the difference between what's true and what's toxic, and that will determine what you taste. And then you will begin to develop your own individual patterns and individual habits, even even within the same roof that prepares you. Now, the second thing you can do is begin to position yourself where you get out the house so that you can develop your own. Start that path now, if it's Lord willing. You see what I'm saying? Now, let me get to the second part of your question. 
how to help extremely toxic parents and maintain a relationship with them while keeping healthy boundaries as single as a single prepping for marriage. So the best way is boundaries are for parents too. I, 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 you are grown. Parents have been so used to being your parents that they haven't transitioned with your age. Some parents are so used to you being five, so used to you being 13, so used to you being 17, that they don't know how to handle you at 22 and beyond or 18 and beyond. Then that's when you have really serious conversations with them and put them in their place. Respect their position, but put them in their place. Their place is you are you have to transition your parenting uh, techniques now. I respect your position. I honor your position because that's what comes with the promise. Honor your parents and the Lord for this is a first commandment with the promise. I honor your position, but I have to put you in your place because now God is now leading me. Now you are in council form. You're not in dictatorship form. You see what I'm saying? Or, or the sole main influence. So you respect their position while putting them in their place and you continue to practice the patterns that prepares you for the position that you want to hold in life. Hope to help. Coach Josh, I thank you for being around. You have helped me in my walk with Christ. You're so welcome. God gets the glory. Listen, man, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how I'm doing what I'm doing. I talk, y'all listen. It changes lives. God gets the glory. And that's the, and that's, it's amazing. It's humbling. Um. Um, to see how he uses me to help y'all. God is good, man. God has got you. So I'm glad that God is utilizing me um, to help you in your walk with him. It's an honor that 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 that's that that's an evident from this vessel here. What's going on, Cedric? What's up, coach? Grace and peace from Atlanta. What's up, fam? Grace and peace to you too, fam. Anna, uh, Anna says, what do you do if you have a sibling who is quick-tempered? Um... Empathy, empathy, empathy comes from education. The more you educate yourself on why the person is where they are, the more empathy you have. And the empathy would then give you the awareness of how to execute in their lives. Now, if they're quick tempered, then I would kind of, I would sit them down and I would say, hey, I love you. I have empathy for you. But in certain situations, I can't be around you because now you put my life at 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 um in danger. Now, how can I help you though? How can I help you? What's going on? See, you just can't just distance yourself without at least giving an opportunity to help the individual. But what you have to also do is com clearly communicate that that uh, I don't mind being around you in X, Y, and Z, but for the rest of the alphabet. I can't I can't be around you because now you're putting my assets in danger. You put in my uh, I'm about to go through the alphabet. You about to put my assets in danger. You about to put my uh well, you know, my belief in danger. You about to put my character in danger. You about to put my my destiny in danger. You about to put my um efforts and energy in danger. You about to put my faith in danger. A B C D E F G. You about to put my growth in danger. You about to put my holiness in danger. You about to put my ideas in danger. A B C D E F G H I J. You about to put my joy in danger. You about to uh, A B C D E F G H I J K. You about to put my um oh, okay. You about to put my um uh keenness in danger my discernment my awareness you about to put my kindness in danger um k a b c d f g h i j k l you about to put my um um leadership my love in danger a what's the rest of the alphabet a b c d f h i j h i j k l m you about to put my money in danger whoo and you about to put my um um well y'all know the rest uh, don't want to try to flex no muscles here on answer you guys question i'm gonna waste your time because i want to get y'all's question but you see what i'm trying to say Hope they helped. But give empathy, educate yourself about why they're where they are, which will birth empathy for you, from you. And then ask them questions on how they can execute in their life. But also be very clear that you that I have to eliminate certain access points in my life because you're putting the rest of certain valuable things in danger when I'm around you and your temper. Divine says, I want to be an inventor, but I don't uh I want to be an inventor, but I have, but I don't have sorry, give me one second. I want to be an inventor. But I don't have any products needed in the world. Uh, but I don't know what product is needed in the world. How can I reach out to God to reveal it to me? Um, the best way to be an inventor 
an inventor is just not a inventor of product. It's an inventor of systems. It's an inventor of you invent systems. You invent I- ideals. You invent uh, patterns. Um, you invent processes. So you invent products. You invent processes. You invent patterns. You, there's a lot of ways to invent different things. Like uh, uh, I'm reinventing certain things. So there's reinventing things. There's adding to the previous invention. There's inventing something new. The best way to do that is 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 being honest, going to God and just saying, God, look, God, this is what I want to do. I want to create something that hasn't been created. I want to, and you have to also make sure you go to God real. Go to yourself first before you go to God. Why do I want to invent these things? Do I just want to be an inventor to be an inventor's sake? Or do I really have a strong passion? Because passion, passion and burdens leads to inventions. You see what I'm saying? When you have a passion for something, because your passion is what makes you aware of things. Your burdens in life will make you aware of things. Um, 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 faulty systems, seeing things not going the right way leads to invention. So what happens is you have to go to yourself and say, okay, why do I want, what do, what, first off, be honest with you, who do I want to affect? What do I want to change? Then when you begin to engage in those things, you will begin to say, wow, your mind and your eyes will be aware of the things that are screaming for needs to be met. Then that's when adventures are birthed. So go to God. Yeah, you can ask a question more for sure. Um, you go to God and say, God, um, make me hyper aware of the passions and the burdens you have in my heart. And then just walk throughout life and watch the Holy Spirit make you aware of things. But just look at the problems around you. The best way to create uh, solutions is to see problems. I wish, man, I remember when I used to, when I was a kid or growing up or even in athletics, I'd be like, man, the Gatorade is warm. My Gatorade is warm. The co- there was no cooler there. I had a Gatorade bottle. I was in the store maybe about a year ago and I saw someone created uh, the little small tube icicle. So they do like the icicle tray and you put water in it, but it's the, it's, it's, it's long and thin. I said, man, I had that I had that problem in my life for a long period of time. But somebody was able to say, how can I get ice in a Gatorade bottle? So they looked at they looked at the ice shells and it was like, what, what if I do a thin one where they could fit ice in the bottle? That's genius. So there's problems all around you. It's all about who's aware and who's not aware. Hope to help. Next question. What are some ways to cultivate spiritual discernment? Good boy, y'all, y'all deep today. Y'all deep today. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to grow. Y'all want to grow into things, God. And that's that's very, very good to hear. What are some ways to cultivate spiritual discernment? Also, how do you know if you have the gift of discerning of spirits? Good question, Cedric. I, I always knew I had a gift of discerning of spirits. My two greatest gifts, the gift of faith and the gift of discerning of spirits and the gift of uh I don't know about words of wisdom I walk in that sometime. But my strongest gifts and one of the one I'm really nurturing now is the gift of faith. But the gift of uh, discerning of spirits, I knew when I was a kid, when I was able, I could just sense demonic presence. I can sense demonic presence in a person, around a person, around me. And I was, when I was a kid, I saw like uh, demons all the time. I was, so I had discerning of spirits. And um, that's why I'm. Um, God has um, uh, matured me to be well-versed in demonology, to be well-versed in um, spiritual warfare, because that's a part of my gift set. Now, to get to your specific question, how do you cultivate spiritual discernment? Is to eliminate earthly distractions. The best way to spill uh, to to build spiritual discernment is to remove earthly distractions. When you remove earthly distractions, you then begin to build spiritual discernment. You just got to set your spiritual desired outcomes, bro. My spiritual discernment outcomes is the greater works category: casting out demons, raising the uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, uh, um, uh, cultivating anointing that destroys the yoke. Even when I speak. Um, there are certain desired outcomes. I, I've, I see myself walking through hospital hallways and people getting healed. Like I, there's certain, there's certain things, whether I get there or not, that's my desired outcome for my life. I want to, uh, see people spiritually mature for God's optimal use. And that goes down to healing that goes down to all deeper levels of, of, of spiritual entrapment entrapments. And so the best way to build that is to say, okay, what are my spiritual desired outcomes, which would then determine my spiritual disciplines, which would then determine the level of my spiritual devotion. The more I devote myself to God, the more discernment I build, the more sensitivity, because anybody who works in the Federal Reserve, who's over the the fake and real um, currency division, they don't study the fakes because the fakes change every day. What they do is they study the real every single day. (coughs) 
<clears throat> they study the real every single day so that they can spot a fake at the moment. But the but if they only looked at the $100 bill once every two weeks, they would not be able to detect the, the, um, the fake. So the more you spend time with God by moving in certain distractions, the more sensitive you become. That's just where I'm at in life. We don't have cable at our house. The stuff we watch on TV is a bunch of, uh, we, we play uh, scriptures all through the house. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we watch, we got pure flicks instead of Netflix. <coughs> we, we got a holy house, yo. We don't even have Netflix in the house. We got pure flicks. You see what I'm saying? And I'm very selective on what I watch on YouTube. Now I get my sports intake, but that just shows you that the bulk of like 85 to 90% of my life is free to God. And what I mean by free to God, all of my life is free to God, but I'm talking about undivided attention. He has the opportunity to interfere, interject, not interfere, but interject at any time because I have that clearance because I don't have that many distractions in my life. So that's how you do it. And I just, I forgot the systems of thought that the trail, the thought patterns that led me to this place here. Um, I think I said something like spiritual um, desired outcomes would determine your spiritual disciplines, would determine your spiritual devotion. And that would deepen your spiritual discernment. But how do you know if you got the gift of discerning of spirits? It's when you discern spirits and you begin to discern evil around you, evil in environments. I can walk into a place and I can immediately sense the, I can walk into a city and no matter what city I go to, no matter what church I go to, no matter where I enter, I know the head demon in that place. I can tell what kind of demon is in there. I can tell what kind of agendas in there. I can tell if it's a, a racist spirit. I can tell if it's a, a, a gluttonous spirit. I can tell if it's a greed spirit. I can tell if it's a lustful spirit. I can tell if it's a, a, a fear spirit. I can just tell by when I walk into it. And, I, and it, they don't even have to they don't even have to have the physical expressions on the individual they're 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 um uh, possessing or oppressing. I could just sense it coming in. I could sense it even when I wake up, what kind of day is going to be, what kind of war. It's just all about, that's how you know you got this gift of uh, discerning of spirits. You're so welcome, favorite one. Just kidding. Sorry for being offensive. Oh, uh, no, you're good. Uh, what, what did you say, bro? I don't think he was offensive, man. I don't even see your comment. No problem. Uh, How to stop being infatuated with a, with a close friend. Hmm. <clears throat> How to stop being infatuated with a close friend. Get a grip of your own identity. Infatuation is the fruit of a person who doesn't have a strong identity of themselves. It's easy to be infatuated with someone else when you have insecurities. <clears throat> infatuation, there we go. Let's make it even more plain. Infatuation is the fruit of an insecurity. A person who is not afraid to stand alone with God doesn't need anyone. They may want people, don't need anyone. I don't need my wife. I want my wife. I want my wife. I don't need her. I don't need her. Oh my gosh, my life ain't, my life won't exist without her. Because I'm secure in Christ, I need no one. I want people. I, I don't mind people, but I don't need people. The fruit of infatuation is insecurity. You now got to ask yourself, the question is, why? what makes me feel secure with this friend in my life and what makes me feel not secured with this friend out of my life. When you answer that question, you begin to realize the vain reasons of why, or, or the vain reasons why that person has too much weight or too much clout in your life. <clears throat> the only person that should have that type of uh, uh, strength in your life is God because he's unmovable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your friend may change and affect, may may leave and may may abandon you, and you can't be so caught up in that person. Now you have to get from the cloud stage, the infatuation stage, and really get to know the individual. But before you even get to know that individual, you got to take some time to get to know you as an individual, and build your security in Christ, and watch the infatuation subside because you will begin to see just how human they are, and not and not have a divine aura around human flesh. If that makes sense. So how to stop being infatuated with the end of a close friend is to distance yourself from the idea of the ideology of that you have about that person. G get to know yourself as an individual, get to know God, get to know who you are, develop your own personhood. And then you will have the, then that person's will come and level out to be the, um, in the right position in your life. Hope that helps.
Got about 10 more minutes and I'm done. How can I motivate others as well? That's another passion of mine. How do you go? You motivate people through your life matching your lips. I change more people by how I live than by what I say. Consistency is my greatest artillery. Consistency is my greatest artillery. It doesn't matter who lies on me. I will always outlaw every lie. I will always outlast every question someone has about me. I will always outlast it because I'm going to I'm going to be consistent and growing and developing my character, my character development and the plot or the story plot of my life, of my narrative. So the best way to motivate people is to be consistent. Outlive the lie, outlive the questions, outlive uh, your past, outlive it. Just go through it. And people be motivated from your life. People are motivated more so the closest are they to me. Right now, all you know is my 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 the moving of my mouth. Now, the track record is fruit. And when you continue to watch me over the years, people who's been watching me since I was young, I made a lot of mistakes. But the one thing that wasn't affected drastically was my character. See what I'm saying? I'm going to be consistent. And the best way to motivate people is to make sure you make the right moves. Because when people see that you're making the right moves and your moves is, is causing you to make money, it's causing you to make impact, it's causing you to make uh, uh, supernatural effects in the world, you'll motivate them. But if you just always talk about it, but don't be about it, you ain't going to motivate. You only motivate people for a moment. But when you say what you say and then they see how you live and they see the fruit of your, the way you live. Listen, that's why people ain't going to most people ain't going to really listen to me. People listen to me on the spiritual side. That's why I don't go too deep and heavy in the entrepreneurial stuff because I'm still growing there. And I know for a fact that most people ain't going to listen to me until they see that I reach certain financial status, right? But when it comes to spiritual status, I motivate people because they see the fruit in my life. They feel the Holy Spirit speaking through me. They sense the growth. People was like, I remember someone commenting. They said, uh, Coach Josh, I thought that when you got married, you was going to lose some anointing. But I feel like it got better. Listen, <clears throat> ain't nothing changed. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing going to change. I'm going to continue to grow because of consistency. But then I'll make more impact in the business world, the entrepreneurial world when I start. But people ain't going to listen to me until they start seeing fruit in there. I'm gaining fruit there. I'm gaining traction. But no matter what marketplace you find yourself in, move in the right direction. And in moving in the right direction, you'll motivate people to move behind you. The best way, the best thing, thing, one of the top things I say is follow me as I follow Christ. You follow me, I'm going to take you to him. And he'll take you down the path that you should go. Hope to help. Great question. I'm really enjoying this. I enjoy all of them. I'm really enjoying this one too. Jessica says, Janessa, I'm sorry, says, could you speak on the dynamics of knowing if you are supposed to minister to someone and be in contact, but also feeling like you need to protect yourself? How to discern your role in people's lives? Good question. <clears throat> I got asked this question the other day or oh, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, and it was a very profound question. Uh discernment must dictate your dynamics um um discerning of discerning from god and discerning yourself one thing about me i have i'm learning to master the art and i've got into some form of mastery with this but i'm learning to master the art of my role in people's lives um i put when it, when it comes to my role in people's lives i put the onus on them you only get from me if i give you certain access it's on you I'm see mentors never chase mentees. Mentors keep moving in the right direction. The mentee's supposed to be chasing them. So if I feel like I'm doing more in the relationship, I minimize my reaching out. You see what I'm saying? So what I mean by that is <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will help you determine the access points and the access lengths, right? So there's two different access. There's access points and there's access lengths or access depths. That's a better word. Access points is um um the, the different dynamics of my distribution of love. Everyone gets some type of distribution of your love, but not everybody gets all the depths of your love. Meaning there are certain access points. Certain people can get access to me in email form. Some people get access to me um, in calling form. Some people get access to me and they don't have to pay. Some people get access to me and they have to pay. Some people get access to me. That doesn't mean they're better or different. That just means that's how the cookie crumbled. Um, um, family, wife, God gets deeper depths. See what I'm saying? Um, um, but there's different access points and that comes from God. So what you have to understand is that, okay, God, what are these individuals access points, access points, meaning, um, 
At what point do I give them access to my life? And then from that access point, how deep should they go, right? And anytime you find out that a person is gaining uh, depth in your life, you got to make sure it stays balanced and it wears 60-40. Uh, maybe maybe 70, 30. 30% of you, 70% of them. 30% effort from you, this never should be 50-50 when it comes to mentorship. You see what I'm saying? When it comes to pouring in people, like, it shouldn't be 50-50 unless it's a disciple. And even then you can't be 50-50. 50-50 means like I'm almost unhinged on you. But 70, 30, 80, 20 should be a mentoring type of percentage number because if it's 60, 40 and you giving 60% and they only getting 40%, then they're, then, they're, then they're sucking from you. But those who grow with you are the people who, 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 who dynamics grow because they want to get to know you. Now, let's break it down specific. Could you speak on the dynamics of knowing if you are supposed to minister someone and be in contact? Never do ministry in a person's life without the master's consent. Now, if it's basic ministry, like video form, book form, that's ministering to people. That's, that's ministry without much effort from you. That's residual impact. You see what I'm saying? But when it's individual impact, you see what I'm saying? Individual impact is when now it's me, you get me in flesh and blood. That only should be established by God because God knows whether this is going to be a, 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 um, a, a, a relationship where long suffering is needed or if this is a leech. You see what I'm saying? Because not everyone should have that much interest in contact with you because not everybody, because God knows their motives eventually. Their motives for you right now could be very pure, but God knows that when their heart's going to turn. He chose Judas. And I bet you Judas was excited to be a disciple. I'm pretty sure Judas wasn't always the Judas of the narrative that we heard. I'm sure Judas was did a lot of ministry. The Bible didn't say that all the disciples but Judas healed the sick. All the disciples but Judas cast out devil. Judas did a bunch of good work for God too. But God knew eventually Judas was going to turn. That's why he selected him. But when it comes to your life, you ain't Jesus. So there's no need for you to select Judas's. But that's why you got to be able to allow the discerning of the Holy Spirit to dictate who's going to be in your life. Because God knows the duration and the, and the destruction that that person can bring later on. That's why you cannot get so close to people early on because of their hype of you. I've learned that early on and midway to the latter part of my ministry that people get hype off of the idea they have of me. People get hype of the anointing and they get hype off for how I can assist them. So now I've got a quicker discernment level where I'm just to the point to where um, I'm very not rude, but I'm very direct on access to me because I know how valuable I am. And I know how I've experienced the people's mismanagement of that value. There's been people that I let intimately in, not sexually or anything, but I'm talking about brothers where I let them in my homes. You see what I'm saying? I let them in my life. And these jokers, you see what I'm saying, didn't respect the value. That's why I've learned from that. Like, they got hype off of the videos. They got hype and they got close. But that's why people be like, man, why is Coach really, he's cool, but he's not close. I'm cool with you, but I'm not going to get close to too many people going forward in my life because not too many people can handle this level of anointing. And I only let God select the right people to assist me because you got to let him do that because they start off with you. But the moment that they feel like they can no longer benefit from you, you as dung to them. Never minimize your value for people's overly heightness of your value because then they, the closer you get to them, the more devalued you become. You see what I'm saying? The more you are around the person, if they don't truly honor you and honor God's work in you, you become devalued in them to you. And it doesn't mean that your value has changed. Their perspective of your value has changed. And then they'll walk away from you as if you was nothing. But I also feel like you need to protect yourself. Always protect yourself at all costs. If 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 what they're doing is against your protecting of you and yours, it ain't worth the relationship. Always don't protect someone else over protecting you. You protect you and yours. You protect your energy. You protect your mind. Anything that is in any glimpse a danger or a hindrance to to you protecting you and yours, that ain't a relationship that God wants you to be in, or that that. That's not a role you're supposed to have in your life. I'm a father figure to a lot of people, but I'm going to only going to be a father. Uh, uh, there's different levels to my father figure. You know what I'm saying? There's certain, there's different numbers to it. There's different, like, like my niece and nephews, I'm going to be a father figure to them. You see what I'm saying? And it's going, that's going, that's a high price. It's a high figure. Other people may not get that same value. They're going to get some value, but not the same value. And you got to determine that as you grow in your life. You're so welcome. You're so welcome.
God bless you. All right, y'all, that's it. I got to go. You skipped mine? Addy, let me find yours. I don't want to hold on, Abby. Uh, Addy, I'm sorry. Let me see if I skipped yours. Where's Addy? I, don't want, I definitely don't want to skip those who came in. Uh, okay, let me scroll down. Let me make sure I didn't skip Addy real quick. Oh, I did. Ask, uh, did I did I answer? Did I answer yours? Thanks for all the wisdom. Okay, I did get her. I did get to her question. Okay. Uh, one more. Holy Spirit got me feeling one more. I'm exactly at the stage in my life right now, isolated with with God. And I was okay. Good. Good. Yeah. That's that's part of the business. All right. Laverin says I got saved recently. I cut sex out of my relationship of many years. He says he wants to marry, but now he's not talking. I believe he loves me. Should I reach out? to Ladies, listen to me closely. You never reach out to no man. Don't reach out. That's beneath you. That's beneath you. Don't you ever reach out to no man. If a man, the fellas too, if a person leaves you, don't reach out to them. That's desperation. Now, if that person has the audacity to leave you, now you level up. They leave, you level up. You level up because now God let them leave to give you an opportunity to level up and not and not idolize the idea of the individual. Now make sure I get to your question specifically. I got saved recently and I cut sex out of my relationship of many years. He says he wants to marry me, but he's not talking. Listen, the Bible says Jesus came in not to be, quote unquote, paraphrasing. Uh, oh, no, no, let me just maybe be specific. He came in to be a sword. He put mother against daughter, father against son. Soon as you get saved, people start getting funny. What you have to understand is the moment you get in, the, whenever, anytime you grow and people grow away, that shows they're not able to grow with you. So number one, it, it don't matter if he wants to marry you. The fruit right now is evident that that man, and I could be wrong, but from what your question is, that man wants sex more than he wants you. So if you got saved recently and you cut sex out of the relationship for many years and he says he wants to marry you, but now he's not talking, let him go talk to everyone, talk to you, and you keep moving on. Forget what he said, because anybody will promise you anything when they're getting what they want. If they're getting, if they're getting what they want from you, they're getting the sex, they don't care. They'll say men will say anything to get the sex. Please understand that. And women who struggle with self-esteem will, will get intoxicated with foreign words, words that were old, old, outdated, antiquated phrases that were said to get in the draws. Listen, right now you're going through the withdrawal period. You got to be very careful when you go through the withdrawal period because the, the withdrawal period will give you, will set you up to be without draws. You see what I'm saying? You got to get through this withdrawal period so you can keep your draws on. You see what I'm saying? Because what's going to happen is if you're still intoxicated by what he said previously, then you're hanging on void. Void empty phrases. Never hang on anything that doesn't have no fruit in it. Stop hanging on pipes that has nothing rushing through it. Stop hanging on stuff that has no value. That's what he wants. He knows that, oh, she, let me see how serious, serious she is about this sex thing. And because he has been such and such and such and such when you was given sex, now you hang it on the validity of his genuineness after he done, before he busted a nut. You see what I'm saying? Never trust a man before he busts a nut because after he busts will determine if he really wants to be with you. You know what I'm saying? A man will say anything to get his penis off, period. And that's how life goes. Men will say, and women, people will say anything you want to hear to get what they want to have. So if he, it, it, you got to get, that, there's a lie in that belief. Look at the core word of the word believe. There's a lie in that belief. You see what I'm saying? And you got to be able to say, okay, am I believing a lie? Am I believing a lie? You see what I'm saying? And you just got to be able to look at the fruit. The Bible says you'll know them not from the fruit of their lips, but the fruit of their life. If he's not talking to you, he's not talking to you because he did. He's not getting what he wants. So reaching out to him is beneath you. Get over it, get above it and get beyond it. And that's just me. I know that sounds direct and straightforward, but that's how coach shoots it sometimes. Because that's beneath you to reach out to a man that left. You will use a queen. No queen reaches out for a king that steps be that stepped below his throne. 
No, no queen. No, you a queen. You a daughter of the most high. And you reaching out for a man that's that's whose life, whose, whose actions is contradictory, contradicting the level up in your salvation and your and your commitment to God. For mm -mm, mm -mm. so let God be true and every man a lie. Let God be true and every man alive. You cut sex out and he stopped talking, then you keep your pearls, you keep your goods, you package them up, you allow God to refurbish your, your, your refurbish and renew your mind and refurbish your, your purity and get you back going so that a man who will come find you will stay committed to you because he's committed to God. Never trust a man or a woman who is not committed to God. Their lack of commitment to God is going to prove their lack of commitment with you. God told me, the Holy Spirit said one more question. He said one more question because there's more people that need to hear this. Yeah, man, when you start cutting out cutting out stuff in a relationship for God, a lot of relationships end. That ain't the one for you. At least not at the end. No, I'm not, I'm not even gonna say at the moment. He ain't the one for you. Maybe not right now. I can I can be nice and say that. But coach, when I talk to women, I talk very stern about these 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 dudes out here who's acting like little girls. Act not a lot of little girls because there's some little girls acting a whole lot better than most of these grown men. So please excuse me for saying a little girl term. I would never say that again. I don't even like that I even said that because little, a lot of these young girls are little girls. My little niece right now is greater. My two nieces are greater than some of these these grown men mentally. So please excuse me. Uh, that's beneath little girls. These guys would be acting like like little sissies. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I have no tolerance for. So you don't reach out to him. Don't reach out him again. Oh Lord, I didn't even see the again. Don't even, don't don't you, you okay? I, coach will let you slide. I'm gonna let you slide for reaching out the first time. Don't reach out to that man no more. You level up. You keep your purity and you keep moving on because there's going to be a man out there who is not going to make you even feel like a peasant when you a queen. That's all I got for today. Love you guys and gals. Hope this was a blessing to you. Um, this message will um, post again. So, and I will have um, thumbnails at the uh, timestamps at the bottom for you to be able to uh, find your questions to kind of relive as you as you grow in maturity. Um, all my resources are available for you at my website, Iamunplugged.com. Iamunplugged.com. Books, resources. If you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, if I wasn't able to get to your question, but you want to book me for a real live phone call conversation for life coaching, whether it's uh singleness, how to maximize your singleness, how to how to discover, develop, and distribute your purpose, whether it's relationship coaching. Um, spiritual maturity coaching, whatever is on my website, transitional coaching for those who's going through breakups, divorces, I got transitional coaching for you too. Send me your budget. Let me know what you can do per session. And I will customize the time frame um, and the resources for your coaching session. Either way, you're going to get value. Um, you give your best value, I'm going to give my best value. And most of the time I give beyond people's value because that's how I believe. I believe in uh, uh, underselling, over delivering. So either way, you're going to get more value than what you give. But give your best and I'll give my best. Um, but I love you all. Y'all be blessed. Have a great rest of the week. Um, books, resources, all these books are available on my website, The Purpose of Singleness, Dating Prep. Um, if you want to give to my mentoring, we start in school. I start school. I uh, start work next week. School starts on the 26th or so. So we got to get into these middle schools. We need, we need a lot of support financially. Not a lot. Well, we do need a lot because there's a lot that I want to do. Um, there's a lot that I want to do for these kids. And so go to my website, wepropel.education or go to propelclt on Instagram to kind of see what we do with the kids. And uh, we would love your support to help um, this generation go forward. Um, love you guys. Be blessed. Um, I think that's it. See y'all next time. Peace. Oh, also, if you look at the videos, a lot of these shirts that I be wearing in my videos are coaches merch. Look at up under any one of my YouTube videos, you'll be able to see shirts. I'm worth the weight. I follow, I lead, unplug apparel. Let's 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 get some, let's get the movement going. It's the unpluggers community here online. I would love um you guys to send me pictures with you and your shirts and with you and your apparel. That'd be dope. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.